Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined by Andrew Holly. A victory Tuesday here. Holly, how we doing? Oh, so good. Wow, man. Wow. I mean, every week, you know, we see new things from the Ravens at times with, with Lamar. And, and now we're just seeing straight video game maneuvers. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to repeat word for word what I texted you after that amazing 47 yard spin move run touchdown, but let's just say I was excited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tough not to be. It was one of those games where like, I don't even have a ton of notes. I just like kind of sat back and watched and enjoyed, you know, watch the Ravens win 49, 13, one of the biggest losses in Bengals history and one of the one of the most exciting offensive games that we've seen from the Ravens pretty much since those first couple weeks, uh, you know, versus the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Um, we were, are going to talk about the offense, defense and special teams, hand out a game ball, talk about our pop of the week and then talk about week 11 as the Houston Texans come into town and we'll get into our bulletin board material and make a prediction on that one. But, man. I mean, how do we get off to a harder, hotter start than what the Ravens did with a big time completion down the field to Hollywood Brown? Well, I mean, how much of an impact does he bring to this offense when he is healthy? I mean, my gosh, you know, between that, the nice touchdown later on in the game. I mean, having that impact that he can bring. I mean, perfectly thrown pass, by the way, by Lamar. I mean, a perfect passer rating day. And 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 all the more impressive because that was a low percentage pass that he's throwing, you know, deep, chucking deep to Hollywood Brown. I mean, just fantastic way to start the ball game. Yeah, like you said, I mean, like what Hollywood brings to the table is something that we haven't really seen in Ravens uniform in, in quite a while and maybe ever. You know, the speed that he brings, the like just the dynamic run after the catchability that he brings. I mean, when he's healthy, like you said, you know, when he's right, he, he is such a major cog in this offense. But, you know, perfect passer rating from Lamar Jackson. He has two incompletions on the day. One of them is a spike to stop the clock. And the other one is a uh, is a throw into the end zone, which ended up hitting Mark Andrews in the hands uh, that he just couldn't pull in. I think it was just a one hand attempt that he put out there. But even that one was a good throw. So perfect passer rating hasn't been done since Ben Roethlisberger did it, uh, which is which is two perfect passer ratings in the same season. And his best play wasn't even through the air. It was that ridiculous run that he made. You know, broke the safety's ankles, spun around two more defenders, and just cruised to the end zone. His full skill set was on the was on display, and it is just truly, truly fun to watch. It really is, man. He's just and and how great is the Kevin Harlan call? I mean, it mm-hmm. is just it gets better and better each time you watch it. And I love. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Yeah, but the Ravens made a a cut of it with like Batman sort of like Uh graphics on it. It's pretty funny. So that I mean, that in and of itself is tremendous. But I mean, we just saw one of the all time great 
NFL highlight. I mean, he may never have a play as good as that in his career again. I mean, and, and, and he may win, you know, six Super Bowls and whatever, you know, but that play may be the, you know, a, I mean, that's how good that play is mm-hmm. that he made on Sunday. That's how great that run is. That's a Barry Sanders NFL films, you know, all that stuff where you're like, you know, that just unbelievable. I think Harbaugh said, you know, we're going to be watching that play 20 years from now. And he couldn't Mm -hmm. be more correct. Yeah. How great was that moment between those two when Harbaugh comes over to the, comes over to the bench and is just, just talking to Lamar like, Hey, like, I don't know if you realize how good that was, but that was awesome. And like, Still, Lamar always humble. You know, like, hey, man, I'm just worried about getting a win. I'm worried about my team. And I, I think that was a really interesting way that he framed it is, you know, he said, I'm worried about my team. And, you know, that, that means that he's worried about the other guys around it. But he also realizes that this is his team and the team is going to go as far as he goes. And for him to have that perspective already as a 22-year-old quarterback is is, is a really, really good place for him to be. His maturity is off the charts. I mean, the veterans that already kind of look to Lamar, you know, with reverence, I mean, is pretty, pretty amazing. And, you know, I was reading some stuff where, you know, he defer, he does a lot of deferring to the veterans and stuff. That, let's face it, as he probably should as a second year player, but, you know, the fact that he's, especially right now, the, you know, superstar player of the, of the moment, you know, it, it's all the more impressive that he continues to be this really down to earth, humble kid who just seems genuine. Like, okay. Hindsight is 2020, but you know, who's the guy that he's compared most to right now? Michael Vick. Right. Mm -hmm. He bursts onto the scene. Obviously, we know about the dogfighting and all the stuff that that was happening behind the scenes earlier in his career. But he definitely had that sort of attitude, you know, about him. I don't know that you would ever necessarily say that Michael Vick was was affable. I don't know if that's a good and that's not necessarily to say that's a criticism, but. Because you don't have to be affable, but just looking at that guy and, uh, you know, a, a guy who was under the similar spotlight, to have Lamar be so easygoing and happy-go-lucky with the press and just, that's just impressive. I mean, and and it seems genuine. It doesn't seem forced, I guess, is what I'm getting at. You know, guys like whether, even Cam Newton, you know, who who just even today, all of his stuff seems very forced. Lamar, he he just seems like he's got personality to spare, and he really could be the new face of the NFL in the next few years. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and like you said, the the, the veterans kind of look to him. And and you know, we just mentioned this before we started recording was that. It was really cool to see Mark Ingram just 
sprint down the field and escort Lamar, you know, into the end zone on his long touchdown run. But I, I think you're right about Lamar being the face a little bit. And, you know, one of his criticisms coming out of the draft, other than, you know, his supposed accuracy issues, was uh, he wasn't the best communicator. And I think it was, I mean, his teammates have never complained about his communication. You see that they all love him. They all communicate well with him. And I think it was mostly like a media-driven uh, narrative there. But he does have the chance to, you know, definitely be the face of this franchise. You, Like you said, it is 100% genuine, even after losses. He says, we need to get better. You know, you've seen you know, I, a guy like Baker Mayfield get frustrated with the media and things like that. But that kind of stuff just doesn't seem to happen with Lamar. You know, after the Browns loss, he was very upfront saying, like, I need to be better than that. After the loss to the Chargers in the playoffs last year, he was very, very uh, accepting of the criticism, uh, you know, that came his way. So he definitely has a chance, you know, to be not just face of the Ravens but the face of the league at the front at the forefront of the league in that manner too so it's been quite a while since we've had somebody like that on the Ravens probably back to Ray Lewis and Ed Reed I would think um but yeah definitely definitely cool to have that kind of that kind of hype around the Ravens and you know he's entering himself into the upper echelon of the MVP talk this year which is pretty cool to see so um yeah definitely very proud of what he's put together so far this year you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't think the Ravens have ever had a player like Lamar, and I would include, I would include Ray and Ed in that conversation. And that's not, I'm not trying to say Lamar's a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but just the because he's a quarterback, the star quality level that he could ascend to is so far beyond and might already be for for the you know the hype train than than Ray and and Ed Reed ever had. I mean that's I mean I don't want to be I, I, I might be overstating things maybe a little bit, but there's just a different level that a quarterback brings to the star power game and man I mean you think about back in the day before there was Michael Jordan you know and and all those kind of players at at one point Johnny Yu was that player mm-hmm. you know here in Baltimore and and where did he go to college oh gee he went to Louisville well <laughs> you know <laughs> Hey, we've got we've got that new version of the uh, you know the new Johnny U, who uh, you know what he's just Lamar Jackson and he's pretty freaking fantastic. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you because if you look at you know even the rule changes that have put in, been put in place and all that kind of stuff, this is a league built for the offense and it's a league built for the quarterback. So therefore, the quarterback is going to have the highest star power. Right. And you can see that with, you know, who is in all these commercials on TV. It's the quarterbacks. It's not just some random safety or some linebacker. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Baker Mayfield. It's Patrick Mahomes. And those are, you know, top five quarterbacks in the league. And I don't know if if Lamar will ever be in commercials in that sense. But 
his star power in the league does have that kind of ceiling, which is which is really cool to see. Um, wanted to talk about the Heisman package a little bit. How cool was that to see? We had three Heisman Trophy winners on the field at the same time. Of course, those guys are Lamar Jackson, RG3, and Mark Ingram on a very, very successful play there. Yeah, it's always fun to see, you know, stuff like that. I think it, it gets the players excited, you know, anytime we do stuff like that. I mean, definitely good to see. I think next time they, they might not be, I think Lamar said he got a little bit too excited. That's why he kind of fell over, you know, after mm-hmm. he pitched the ball over to RG3. So, yeah, I, I think that that will only get more exciting as they throw those wrinkles out there because who knows when you know the rg3 is going to end up passing the ball or shoot mark ingram passes the ball to lamar you know or something crazy happens you know um always cool to see real quick i do want to circle back you were talking about lamar and endorsements if he's not doing a chunky soup commercial before the end of the season (laughs) I don't know, you know, something's not right with the world. You know, get that man a Chunky Soup commercial. I don't know who's even doing the Chunky Soup commercials anymore, but it needs to be Lamar Jackson. Yes, I I absolutely agree. He would be perfect in one of those types of roles. But yeah, like that 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 option play that they ran, you know, we saw the option be run kind of for the first time. Uh, against the Patriots, where Lamar would would sweep out and and pitch it over to Ingram, but then to add the fake to Ingram and then pitch it out to Griffin w- was just an additional wrinkle. You know, in my mind, when I saw Jackson go down like that, I w- maybe was giving him a little bit too much credit. I was like, oh yeah, that's his way of going down to make sure he doesn't take a hit. But you know, if he's going to be the one that says, uh, yeah, I just got too excited and fell down, then uh, <laughs> you know, you know, maybe I'm giving him a little bit too much credit, but uh, you know that that seems to be the lingering narrative here that like you know at some point Lamar's going to take a shot and uh, you know it, you know he's going to get hurt and whatever. But in this game, the biggest hit that he took came in the pocket to his on his touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown, and you know that could happen to any quarterback. So. You know, I, I thought that was a great play for him to, you know, stick in there, wait till the last second, you know, knowing that he's going to get hit and still make a very accurate throw uh, was was really impressive and, and probably one of his better plays on the day. You know, that's a that's a great point. Not only are you correct in that it was one of his best plays of the day. I mean, it was a fantastic I mean, yet another example of the fact that he had a perfect passer rating for the day holy crap i mean fantastic throw under duress getting hammered and completes the touchdown to to marquise brown um but you know to to backtrack a little bit on on what you were saying you know some people do you know everybody says okay he's gonna get hurt at some point or anything else well i would also argue that his mobility is going to also keep him from getting hit Mm -hmm. in a lot of situations, those situations where, and I'm not trying to pile on or, or, you know, I, you know, I like Joe Flacco, but a quarterback like Joe Flacco, who's more of the statue in the pocket, he's going to get nailed. But 
you know, Lamar not only seems to have the mobility, he has the pocket awareness. Where even someone like Joe didn't have the best pocket awareness. But somebody like uh, Tom Brady, who isn't at all anywhere near athletically what Lamar Jackson brings to the table, has that level of pocket awareness that is just out of control. How he's able to move around within a, you know, three square yard area, mm-hmm. you know, and Lamar's got that on top of the the that extra wiggle, you know, to, to get around people and, and that burst of speed. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know where I was going there other than just drooling over Lamar Jackson, but I mean, what, a, what a fantastic player. Yeah. I mean, no, I agree with you. Like why does, why does it only have to work one way in which a mobile quarterback gets hit? Why can't the mobility help him not get hit as well? Yeah. And I, I think you're absolutely right. And and for whatever reason, people tend to ignore that or, or don't see that, but whatever. Um, as far as the pass catchers go, uh, another nice game from Mike Mark. Wow, another nice game from my guy, Mark Andrews, the Mandrews, two touchdowns on the day. You know, seems to have definitely put that tough day in Seattle behind him. Marquise Brown, obviously the big day with the big catch to open the game, plus his touchdown. So, you know, all this was done, all this damage, all this yardage and touchdowns were done in 36 plays from Lamar Jackson. Almost 300 total yards, four touchdowns on Three 36 plays. Three yeah. quarters of football. Three quarters of football. That's it. Yeah. Talk about efficient. I and mean, and, uh, and and how about he, Nick Boyle speaking yeah. of receivers, uh-huh. almost getting his second touchdown two weeks I in a row. I know he was so close. I felt kind of bad. I, I did too. Thought, and you could yeah. tell when he was <laughs> when he realized he he was down at the one. He would just put his head down and keep down. Yeah. And get me. Oh, <laughs> man. yeah. He jumped. He jumped like just too soon. I mean, that's the one thing you have to. So, look, I, I love that all three of our tight ends love to try to hurdle people, but it, there mm-hmm. is a point where you need to maybe take another step or two before jumping. You know, I mean, some of these guys yeah. are trying to, like, jump 10 yards, you know, to try to score a mm-hmm. touchdown. I mean, I love them to death. It's fun to watch, but but they also need to be somewhat realistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and RG three got some game time. You said you said uh, Lamar Jackson only played three quarters. RG three got in there. You know, even on the interception, I think he looked pretty good. Maybe just a hair late on the throw on the interception, but overall it was a good ball. I think overall he looked in control, uh, which is kind of what you need to see out of your backup quarterback. But uh, you know, not. Not too bad of a job by RG3 coming in there to uh, to clean things up. I would agree with that. He looked he did look comfortable as the quarterback. He didn't. Yeah, he threw that pick. But like you said, even, you know, it also could have been like a really like if Snead had come down with that ball, Mm -hmm. that could have been a touchdown. Yeah. You know, so 
so you know, credit to to the DB who made a play. You know, it is what it is that happens. Like like you said, he might have just been a little off on that throw, but he did look very comfortable running the offense. You know, I think definitely getting him involved with the Heisman package is is fun. You know, it keeps him. You know, kind of keeps his head in the game a little bit. Not that he's not paying attention or anything. He kind of has to as the backup. But, you know, just keeping that competitive, those competitive juices flowing and and getting back into the speed of the game is so important. And it's it's nice to be able to give him that time without it being at the expense of Lamar and him yeah. being hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest key. Is that like the the snaps didn't mean anything, and he still got the uh, the, Lamar the was time just in chilling there. with the rest of the boys with the sunglasses on yeah. and the uh, on yeah, the side. Yeah, shades. Stunning shades were on. Did you have anything else to um to add to the offense, or or can I bring up a point that involves the offense and the defense? Go ahead. So, time of possession. The Bengals had the ball for 36 minutes and 11 seconds, which means the Ravens had the ball for 23 minutes and 49 seconds, which leads me to this question. Are the Ravens too explosive? Do we score too fast? <laughs> we, that, that could be a problem. It could definitely be a problem. Yeah. Um, it, 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 at least a problem against a team other than the Bengals. Uh, although in some <laughs> respects, the Bengals were a team, the kind of team I would fear. I mean, if Andy Dalton had, okay, look, this would have been a very different ball game had Andy Dalton and AJ Green both played. Because think about that. Joe Mixon had a a good game. I mean, he's a he's a good player, and he's the kind of running back that concerns me against the Ravens, you know, especially with the team built as it is. And the fact that we're basically playing, you know, hybrid dime, just about every, every play on defense. So, you know, I love that, you know, Tyus Bowser is starting to step up a little bit and Ferguson's getting some nice playing time and this, that, and the other, but, we just do not have the depth, especially with now Michael Pierce out with an ankle or at least hobbled with an ankle. And, you know, there's only so much stress this defense can take. And, you know, a a power running team like the Bengals could be with someone like Mixon a better team could have made this a very different game, even with the Ravens on it, on offense. Yeah, that's true. So so Mixon had 30 carries for 114 yards. That's less than four yards a carry. And and like you said, you know, Michael Pierce being out certainly didn't help. You know, the, the Ravens went out and made the move for Delma Tapeco today. They also added another defensive lineman in Bruce Ellis. So... You know, they that kind of signals to me that the Michael Pierce injury might be kind of significant. However, um, I think that those two additions, particularly Pecco, uh, really, really solidify uh, that 
that defensive line a little bit. It also makes me think that Dalen Mack is probably a little bit more hurt than we think, too. You know, he's been dealing with some lower half stuff, too. So, you know, br- bringing in a guy like Pecco, who's, uh, you know, who we tried to actually sign earlier in the season and just some of the, you know, contract wording didn't work out and finally able to uh, bring him in now. You know, I think that really kind of solidifies things. And, um, you know, if you look at this defensive roster from the beginning of the year, there's been quite a bit of turnover, a lot of new faces, but all of them have been able to uh, integrate themselves in pretty quickly and, and pretty effectively. So I think Pecco probably will end up getting a lot of snaps against the Texans less than a week into, you know, signing with the Ravens. But, uh, you know, hopefully, I, I hope that Pierce can return at some point and then having a guy like Pecco along that depth will help uh, uh, shore up that running game uh, that looked uh, that running defense. I'm sorry, that that looked a little bit concerning uh, against the Bengals. Yeah, based off trends, you would expect Pecco to play just about every snap on defense and, you know, (laughs) maybe end up with, you know, eight tackles and a sack, (laughs) you know, next week against the Texans. yeah, he, he's an interesting addition. You know, Ellis could be an, an, an interesting add. You know, definitely good to have some depth on the line. Um, you know, I it just concerns me more so, not not as much the line, just that linebacker depth. I mean, it, surprisingly, the, you know, the Ravens signed LJ Fort to a two-year extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last week, which which kind of surprises me. I mean, I'm not necessarily trying to knock it. He's played extremely well since he's come to the team. I was just sort of shocked by the length of, of any kind of extension with him. But, you know, con- especially considering he didn't even, you know, if he was on the team, you know, even in training camp, I might say, OK, they love the guy now. But but he came coming in off the street and then getting a two year extension blows my mind a little bit. But you know, we've got these random players throughout and it's just hard for me to want to stake my claim on LJ Fort, Josh Bynes, you know, Tyus Bowser, Peanut Owasa. I mean, I, and I love Peanut, don't get me wrong, but you start talking about no-name linebackers outside of Matthew Judon who he himself is even somewhat of a no-name linebacker in, in some circles. I <laughs> this, Talk about a no-name defense. I mean, or at least a no-name front seven. That's the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're certainly right about that. There's definitely no superstars there that, that are going to come up and, you know, be the guy that you depend on for a big play in a big situation. But, you know, a guy like Judon, you know, if he wants to get paid, then... He's yeah. going to have to be that guy, you know, going forward. I think, again, secondary looks really good. You had Chuck Clark with the forced um, for, with the forced fumble. You had Marcus Peters with another pick six. You know, he is unbelievable. We, we, we've talked about him before. I mean, the, the addition that he's been. I mean, the, the play that he made there was a massive gamble. And, and if that happened to be a double move in which the wide receiver kept going, then it would have been a huge play for the Bengals. And, you know, we would be talking about him very differently uh, in this moment. But Peters is a gambler. You know, we, we've said that since he came over to the Ravens. We we knew what he was going to be. He has gambled correctly twice now. And, 
you know, at some point he's going to get beat and, and, you know, that's okay. But he continues to make big plays that, you know, really, really seriously impact games. And that is just great to see, you know, Earl Thomas on top of another fumble. He seems to be all around the football now too. I mean, the secondary is so, so good and are, are continuing to lead the defense. Yeah, they, they, I mean, for for all the for all the non accolades I, I I was giving the front seven. Holy crap, is the secondary good? I mean, I what can you say about Marcus Peters? I hope we re-sign him at this point. I let Jimmy Smith go, let Carr go. I I mean, I want Marcus Peters to be our outside corner along with Humphrey for the next five years. I mean, at least, um, I've, I've, I've fallen in love now. Talk to me in three weeks when he gives up three bombs, like you said, but you know what? You take the good with the bad. And a lot of the time I would, I think prefer to have that in your back pocket where, you know, you have a guy that can make a play. And that's when the Ravens, you know, when the Ravens have had their great defenses, they're also opportunistic defenses. Yes. And Marcus Peters is an opportunistic player. And the more, the more of those you can put on the defense, the better that is a Raven type player and a Raven type defender. And I I would be shocked at this point if unless unless his play somehow tails off through the rest of the year, if we did not sign him to some sort of extension. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I, I think I agree, you know, to bring him back would be really nice. You know, the guy that did come back today and added to the 53 man roster is rookie Mon Marshall, another big, fast, physical corner that you can add into the mix and, you know, who knows if he'll get defensive snaps or not, but he'll be another really effective special teams player, which again, like kind of struggled a little bit, you know, not the most confident in that group as far as kickoff return and, and kickoff coverage goes. But, you know, to add another big body like that to the secondary is certainly, certainly helpful. And along with that, uh, you know, if you want to move into the special teams now came, at long last, the end to Cyrus Jones' career with the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I, you know, let's be real. I, I don't want to really celebrate this necessarily because, look, a guy lost his job. He's a local kid. You know, for all intents and purposes, seems like a, a decent guy. I don't know that I've ever read anything, anything bad about Cyrus Jones. But that said, you know... It didn't take much for DeAnthony Thomas to look like an actual NFL returner in comparison to what the Ravens have, what kind of production the Ravens have gotten recently from either punt or kick returns. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. I mean, he didn't fumble, so. He looks competent catching the football. I mean, it's sad when the the bar is that low but he looked not only competent but confident catching the football and 
even his what, what what was his kickoff return for like eight yards or something like that there was it wasn't a long run but one of his returns was it just had some nice burst to it and i'm trying to say it was anything over, you know overly special but it i don't know i i, mean, I, I might be making something out of nothing but i liked what i saw yeah yeah me too and and he didn't have much work to do uh, on Sunday because the the Bengals weren't really kicking off to us very much. But I, yeah, like you said, he just I, I you know just feel a little bit of confidence in him. You know, Cyrus Jones had all of the factors for me wanting him to succeed in his favor. You know, local kid, Alabama guy. You know, Ozzie Newsom loved him, all that kind of stuff. Um, I just wanted him to be good. I, you know, he actually had decent, like, return average numbers, but I think for a team's, like, a, a contender's team weakness to be in the return game is kind of unacceptable. You know, just have a guy fair catch the ball and let Lamar do his thing. You know, well, and especially a team that, you know, as we've said week after week, especially a team that prides itself on special teams and has yes. so many guys that are, you know, special teams guys, you know, that they're, you know, they're OK. They can play other positions, but really they're there for coverage teams, you mm-hmm. know, that for for now, obviously, we've cut some of those guys recently or they've gotten hurt and what have you. But. For that kind of a team with that kind of philosophy, it's it's someone outrageous that they've had the issues with the return game that they have had for. I mean, since Jacoby Jones, am I missing anyone? I mean, is there has has there been anyone of any note since we won the Super Bowl? Let's see. I don't think so. I mean, I really think that has been a problem since we won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you know, you bring in a guy like Devin Hester, and you know, he didn't really, yeah, you know, pop off the page in any in any way. And Cyrus Jones, I guess, you know, Michael Campanero had some nice ones, but he was never yeah. healthy. Yeah. You know, but I mean, Nobody yeah, you're consistent. right. Right, right. That's true. It's been kind of somebody different every year. Yeah, uh, if you look at it that way, but um, and a lot of like, Chris Moore being awful. <laughs> Right. But like even the kickoff coverage, uh, you had Wilson on, on the Bengals average like 32 yards a return. And yeah. that's not OK. No, that's not you good know. at all. <laughs> the, uh, it's amazing. You know. as, as I complain about the fact we have too many of these, you know, coverage guys on the team. Well, unfortunately, we've also cut some of those guys recently. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Brendan Trellwick, you know, putting him apparently on uh, IR before. Yeah. You know, when he was actually f- apparently fairly close to coming back, you know, so I think we could put Zach Seiler on the roster. You know, you kind of go, Ooh, that hurts now, big time, you know. Um, it certainly does. Yeah. You know, along with obviously um, the move and his name's escaping me off the top of my head, but the, gem- the guy that, that's now a Patriot. Justin um, Bethel. Thank you, Justin Bethel. Yeah. So. You know, I, it, it sucks when you realize the impact of stuff like that. But we've lost we've lost quite a bit of the, the high end coverage guys, whether it be through roster maneuvering or injury. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly not great. You know, especially with not a classic top three Ravens defense. I mean, you know, giving up a little bit of field position is not going to really help these guys. Uh, you know, more of a middle of the road defense that the Ravens have uh, these days. Uh, but I think they're trending in the right direction. But again, giving up that kind of field position is is certainly not ideal, especially with a tough run coming up with some with some good teams and some some big time matchups that the Ravens are going to need to win to either keep the number two seed or you know to a certain extent even hang on to the division lead. So you know if you're if you're done if you're done with uh, week ten, we can look ahead to one of these big matchups. Uh, against the Houston Texans coming up. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Houston Texans, they got some big names. The ones that stand out immediately are quarterback Deshaun Watson and their big-time wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to pose quite a challenge to this Ravens defense. Such a challenge. I mean, you know, our our defensive backfield is going to have to step up. The uh, offense is going to have to deliver. You know, they've they've created a standard for themselves, and it, it it's going to have to happen week after week. Because as you just said a few moments ago, this is a middle of the road defense, and the Texans have a very good offense, especially when it's clicking on all cylinders. And I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. I mean, in, in a lot of respects, you know, uh, when he's been healthy in the NFL. So, you know, there wasn't too long ago that, you know, people were talking about Deshaun Watson the way they're talking about Lamar. So, you know, he can come in and have a monster game. You know, they're they're the type of offense with their running game that they could easily start controlling the clock you know, and moving those chains and holding on to that football and wearing down the Ravens defense. And that's not a winning game plan for the Ravens. It's certainly not. And, um, you know, they're a top five offense as well, as far as yards per game go. You know, the, the Ravens are the Ravens are up there. They're at number two. The, the Texans are right there at number four. You know they're almost at 400 yards a game. You know they they can uh, they can rack it up pretty quick. They're they're up there in points per game too. So not an easy challenge for the Ravens defense uh, one bit. I think the the secondary certainly has their hands full. You know other than um, DeAndre Hopkins, they have a big play threat in uh, I believe his name is Kendall Fuller. Do I have the right Fuller? There's so many of them. Is his name Kendall Is it Will Fuller? Fuller? Is it Will, Will Fuller? Fuller? Yep, Will Fuller. You're right. Will Fuller. He's he's their deep threat. He can certainly play. They got Kenny Stills. They got Darren Fells. Duke Johnson likes to catch the ball out of the backfield. So certainly a big challenge there. And Deshaun Watson, you know, he, he does take his fair share of sacks, but he is also really successful while moving the pocket and extending the play. So certainly a big-time challenge here. The Texans can really score. And they've shown that they can do it against good defense as well. So that's going to be a big time challenge keeping them in check. Yeah, this is this is gonna this is a shootout type game. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is a game that you know the Ravens are they're made for shootouts to a point, but it depends on the type of shootout. 
you know, so it, you know, if, if the Texans start airing things out, you know, and, and the Ravens can't quite match that, you know, that type of ammunition shot for shot, that might become a problem. I'm not saying they're incapable and I'm, I'm not necessarily pointing at, at Lamar at all here in any, any shape, way, shape or form. I'm thinking more about um, receivers other than Marquise Brown. Um, But it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be really interesting to see the Ravens game plan and how they attack the, the Texans and, and what happens when, when inevitably that shootout ramps up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is going to be a shootout, like you said, and you know maybe we can talk about the the Texans defense a little bit too. JJ uh, Watt is on injured reserve, so at least we're not going to have to deal with him. They have one of the top rushing defenses in the league, and of course, a lot of those numbers are with JJ Watt. However, they have one of the worst passing defenses in the league. They give up a ton of yards through the air. Um, you know, who knows how their how their rushing defense is going to look without Watt, especially against our style of play. But they are coming off their bye week, so they've had two weeks to prepare and all that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of factors that um, point to the Texans giving the Ravens a really, really tough time uh, in week 11. You know, the other factor that is that so not only have they had a bye week, but one of the few quarterbacks out there that can somewhat mimic what Lamar can do is a guy like Sean Watson. So the Texans play him in practice every day. So that, that escapability, while it may not be quite as dynamic as what Lamar brings to the table, he still can move around the pocket make some plays, extend the plays. So, you know, that's the other thing that that, that you got to think about a little bit is they're used to that kind of athletic ability from a quarterback. So that also is a scenario that could play against the Ravens. Yeah, certainly to to an extent. But like you said, I mean, there's nobody in this league like Lamar. And, And I'm not sure there's anybody in the league like Deshaun Watson. But at least the Ravens have to practice against Lamar all the time. And I think that probably prepares them a little bit better than than the vice versa. Um, Possibly so. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, let's get into a little bulletin board material. Uh, did you have somebody that you wanted to call out this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call out Marquise Brown. You know, it, he's back. He's healthy. It's time for him to, well, at least we think he's healthy. Um, you know, it's time for him to really step up. I mean, when he's on the field, he will make plays. I think it's pretty clear that that's the case. We need him to be healthy, stay healthy, and I, I think he'll make plays. So, Marquise Brown, get in that ice bath. Get in those, you know, recuperation, you know, chambers and all that crazy, you know, crap during the week because we need you to come in and we need you to be fantastic this weekend against the Texans. So Marquise Brown, you are on the bulletin board. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm going to go with my guy, Marlon Humphrey. You know, he's been playing at such a high level all season long and you just have to expect that he is going to be in that follow type of defense 
against DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, might be the best receiver that the Ravens have seen all year. He might be one of the, I mean, you could make an argument that he's the best receiver in the league. Um, you know, contested catches, you know, sideline catches, running the deep ball. He can do it all. You know, he can block as well. So Marlon Humphrey, if he is put in the position in which he follows DeAndre Hopkins around, then he's going to have his hands full. If Humphrey can take Hopkins out of the game, which is I, I don't think that's going to happen 100 percent, that makes this Texans offense quite a bit different and they get a lot easier to defend. So Marlon Humphrey, there's going to be a lot on his shoulders. I'm going to give him some bulletin board material as well and put and see if he is up to the task. Um, you know, before we do a prediction, I just realized we didn't hand out a game ball for the Bengals game. Well, then let's give out our game ball. Let's do it. You want to go ahead? Yeah, I, I'm giving my game ball to Mr. Marcus Peters. We talked about it earlier. Yes, sir. And, mm-hmm. you know, I... I mean, what more can you say? Instant impact from a guy that we traded for. I think we talked about before the deadline about, you know, worrying about who you might, you know, get because it usually takes a while for guys to incorporate into the team and blah, blah, blah. Well, forget that. You know, mm-hmm. we he already has two picks, pick sixes for the Ravens. I mean, what a fantastic addition he's been. He gets my game ball. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go with Pat Ricard. You know, both on offense and defense, you know, as a fullback blocking, you know, he has gotten so good. At, you know, he comes in motion a lot and, and gets up the field and, and gets some blocks. You know, he's carrying blockers for like eight, nine, ten yards down the field. And then, of course, the big uh, forced fumble return for a touchdown while he was playing defensive tackle. So, you know, this is probably a product of playing well over the past few weeks. But Pat Ricard gets my game ball. Um, pop of the week real quick, and then let's do a prediction. Uh, you know, I would probably have to go with uh, Chuck Clark causing the uh, fumble. Yes. I'll give Chuck Clark some love. Oh, yeah. Chuck, we haven't mentioned him yet but there, but, uh, yeah, definitely a very nice play. I'm going to give it to Mark Ingram running angry. He ran over big Carlos Dunlap, and that's something that really does not happen very often. It was a run to the right, you know, not – that huge of a play, just eight or nine yards, but but Ingram ran over Dunlap. So those are our pops of the week. And we'll flip it back to week 11 here, Ravens versus Texans. Give me your prediction. Let's see. Like like we, we said earlier, I, I think this is going to be a shootout. I'm going to say 39 to 28 Ravens. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Shootout. Uh, but I do think the Ravens have enough to uh, put the Texans away, especially being at home. I'm going to go 31-27 uh, Ravens. I think I think the Ravens are favored by just about four, four and a half, something like that. So I think it's going to be right around there. Um, and but the Ravens are going to be able to get one of this one of this tough wins in this tough stretch that they have coming up. So um, do you have anything else to add before we sign off? Well, I just want to wish you a fantastic vacation oh, uh, yeah. and to every everyone out there uh, who listens to our podcast every week. I'll, I'll do my best to uh, 
put something out there, either solo or uh, possibly with a special guest uh, until uh, TK gets back. So, TK, remind us when you will be back on the podcast. Yeah, so I am out the next two games. So the Texans, and then who do we have after the Texans? The Rams? I believe that is correct. Although I do not have the schedule right in yeah. front of me. Let the, me, uh, let me the, pull it up. <laughs> the organized podcaster I am. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be out for the Texans. I'll be out for the Rams, but I will be back for the Ravens and Niners recap. So I'm, I'm heading to I'm heading down under to Australia for two weeks with my fiance, and I will be disconnected from the world. Except I'll be checking Twitter for the Ravens scores. So that is uh, fantastic, and <laughs> and we'll be eager to know if the toilet really does flush in the other direction. Um, you know, give all that fun stuff a try and uh, report back to us about how wonderful the shrimp is on the Barbie. I will have a full scattering report. I will have a full Australian accent on uh, December 2nd there. You want to go ahead and sign us off? I, I'm going to let you sign us off, sir. Yeah, you're not going to hear from me for a while, but thank you guys for joining us. Uh, been fun as always recording this recap. Let's go Ravens for the next two weeks. Until next time, I'm TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.